Even before Hurricane Maria made landfall on September 20th, 2017, communication was the first casualty. About 5 million Puerto Ricans live on the U.S. mainland, and they were anxious for news from home. Rafael Mejia was one of them. Not to having any communication with your family, it was very difficult at some point. But then I had two choices, either cry or either go and help. Rafael chose to help. Hi, I'm Will Derry, and this is Puerto Rico, The New Normal. Episode 2, Making Contact. Rafael is the regional director of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists in Puerto Rico. Communication is his business, and a lack of communication, it's one of his biggest frustrations. Rafael was trying to fly to Puerto Rico before Maria hit, but his flight from Fort Lauderdale, Florida was delayed. Although he was stranded on the mainland, he quickly found a way to help fellow journalists on the island. I used to work in Miami for Telemundo, so I started actually volunteering and helping people, helping journalists to say the names of the towns correctly, to actually, they were asking me a lot of questions about where to go. Whenever they were there, they, were, they didn't actually find the way to go to different towns because the roads were kind of damaged. And I was not there, so I was trying to help them, you know, from a distance. Several weeks passed before Rafael would arrive in Puerto Rico. When he finally got to the island, he came bearing gifts, satellite phones to distribute to journalists who needed to get their stories out. The Knight Foundation had provided funding for the equipment. Rafael helped place 10 satellite phones and 10 Wi-Fi hubs with local journalists who were struggling to tell the world how desperate the situation was in Puerto Rico. Other members of the National Association of Hispanic Journalists in Puerto Rico also distributed communications equipment. But doing so was not easy. Parts of Puerto Rico didn't have power and that was just one of the many challenges they faced. And the roads were very hard to go through, you know, because I really wanted to go to the center of the island to help the people in the south, the southwest. So I was used to go through one road and then I had to actually change my mind and go through another one. We had no GPS because it was not working, the internet or everything. So that was a big challenge, you know, trying to get somewhere and you don't know how to get there because the main road is not working properly, you know? Even when he found roads that were passable. Rafael had trouble making connections. Without phone service, he couldn't make plans to meet up with the reporters he was trying to reach. One day I went to this radio station and I had to wait like for two or three hours for the people to get there because it was closed and I didn't want to go back to my hometown because then it was not going to be worth it. So I started asking people for those people. So I got to their house and they started kind of hugging me. Oh my God, you're, give, you're giving me this equipment. Why? So because I want to help you. I need you to start reporting again because people People need to have information. Rafael wanted the world to know how deadly the hurricane had been. Before he arrived in Puerto Rico himself, he could only imagine. From media reports, he expected to find an island of sad and demoralized people. But what he actually found? And then when we went to Puerto Rico, everybody was happy. But everybody was, okay, we have no power. We're still, we still have food. We have no power. But now I know the neighbor. We have no you know, electricity. But people were kind of, they were better than we were expecting. Correspondents from around the world flocked to Puerto Rico after Maria. The airport in San Juan was the first airfield to reopen on the island. So the media flew into the capital city and reported from there. However, the rest of the island wasn't getting much attention because travel and communications were so difficult. So Rafael reached out to his friends in the media. I was like actually asking them, please go to the different places and report from different parts of the island. So I started contacting my friends, my friends, my, my journalist friends from CBS, from NBC, from ABC, from Telemundo, from Univision. I, I was starting contacting them, you know, like, guys, go to this town, go to the other town, go to this part of the island. I know it's going to be difficult. 
difficult, but try to go and try to report more things about the island because the island is not only the north part, it's the whole island, you know? So I was telling my friends to try to get Puerto Rican journalists to go to Puerto Rico. Not everybody could do it, but you know, they were not mentioning correctly the name of the towns. They were not mentioning correctly the, the names of the people. They didn't know where to go. They were not from there, you know? Rafael served almost as a traffic cop for reporters who didn't know their way around the island. He provided directions and alternate routes. He gave quick civic lessons on what mayors govern which towns and who the other important officials were. He gave reporters an idea of what to expect when they arrived in a small town or sprawling city. All the while, he was dealing with his own family issues. Rafael's mom lives on the southern side of Puerto Rico in a town called Yauco. She was home as Maria was approaching. Rafael talked with her around three in the morning before Maria made landfall. Then, he lost his connection with her. Maria hit the island at 6.15 a.m., packing winds of 155 miles per hour. Rafael knew that his mom's house was strong, but he's still worried about her safety and health. Rafael's mom has lung cancer. She takes pills as part of her chemotherapy treatment. However, due to Hurricane Irma, then Maria, she wasn't getting delivery of her pills. And then my, my mother's pills were with me, because they, they used to ship the pills to Puerto Rico, but since we had like a, a first hurricane and then the second one, they actually sent the pills to me in Florida so I could get them to my mom, supposedly the, the Monday after, but I couldn't get there. And then I had no communication with my mom or anybody of my family for more than two weeks because the cell phone connections went off completely. A week went by, then another, as flight after flight was canceled. Finally, Rafael was able to reach his mom and deliver her pills. I knew in my mind that nothing happened to her, but I wanted to listen to her voice, you know? I wanted to know if she was okay, if she was not hungry, if she had uh, all the resources to eat and, and be healthy because she has cancer. I, that didn't happen for two weeks, my friend, and that was kind of scary. In the year after Hurricane Maria, nearly 160,000 residents of the island relocated to the U.S. mainland. Rafael did the opposite. He decided to move from the mainland back to his childhood home of Yauco. Rafael has decided to stay and continue to help in Puerto Rico. For the past year and a half, he has helped journalists find new jobs. Through his work with the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, Rafael has connected some Puerto Rican journalists who lost their jobs with media companies elsewhere, Florida, New York, and even Mexico. The National Association of Hispanic Journalists in Puerto Rico has added three new student chapters since Rafael returned to the island, the University of Puerto Rico Rio Piedras at Arecibo and the University of the Sacred Heart. Rafael has a passion for education. He was a professor at the City University of New York and wants to see the students from these chapters do well. I go to their colleges. I uh give them workshops. I help them with decisions or where to go if they want to stay in Puerto Rico, to study in Puerto Rico, and to actually work in Puerto Rico, or if they want to go to the United States or go to Europe, for example, or South America to keep working over there as journalists, because I actually, I'm a, I'm a college professor. I'm all about education. I'm all about communication. I'm all about inspiring other people to keep going with their careers, to keep going with their goals, with their dreams. And of course, those student chapters are my main goal right now while I'm still the director of, of, of NASJ. And um, I really encourage them to keep going, and I, they, they encourage me to, to keep doing what I do. 
Puerto Ricans helping Puerto Ricans has become a theme of the post-Maria era. I, we can see that Puerto Rico is, is Puerto Rico again. Of course, we will never forget what happened. We're still damaged because of what happened. You know, it, we're not 100% normal. But I think things happen for a reason. I think Puerto Rican people got that uh, impact, that bad impact in Puerto Rico. And, and, and a lot of good things happened because of that. Now, you, a lot of people, my friend, they, they know their neighbors. Back then, they didn't know their neighbors, for example. You know, and now I, I've been in contact with people. I've been invited to some Christmas parties to this community that now they are very united. And now they're like families because they met during this emergency. They started helping each other. They started going out of the houses to the patios or to the balconies because they didn't have any powers. The hurricane took a toll on many industries, and the news media was one of them. Power outages forced radio stations off the air and slow printing presses. Trucks couldn't distribute newspapers throughout the island because so many roads were closed. As distribution fell, so did advertising, and as financial problems mounted, reporters were laid off. The largest media group on the island was GFR, which owns El Nuevo Dia, the only daily paper still printed in San Juan. Almost a quarter of staff was laid off in GFR's newsroom in the hurricane's aftermath. Rafael has extended his help to Penn State. Here in Puerto Rico, he's a fixer for a class of 18 students who are reporting news stories all over the island. What he did with journalists who came to cover Maria, he's now doing with our class. He's part traffic cop, part interpreter, part instructor. He's helping us to find our way. Since I know more about Puerto Rico than you guys that live here, I'm actually answering some questions and some doubts that people have about what to do, where to go, who to call. Now that I have the input of every student here, it was very important for me to come here and listen to your stories and listen to you and listen to your ideas to actually get a better angle of your ideas with the things that I know. And now that I know your stories, now I could actually help you to get in touch with the correct people in Puerto Rico to get better interviews, to get better information. And of course, it's, it's, a, it's a teamwork. What fascinates Rafael about the stories Penn State students will produce are the different storytelling methods they are using. I think it's fascinating that you have different types of, of story. You have stories uh, for print, multimedia, and you have a broadcast, and you have a podcast. You know, there are different stories that are very, the nowadays stories and, and the systems that we are using. And I think you're going to learn a lot about the island. You're gonna, not only with your story, but with the other student stories, you're going to learn a lot. And that's, that's part of my job, you know, to help you connect, to help you uh, getting, get contacts, and to help you do your, your final story. You know, my job is not going to end in Puerto Rico. I'm going to be following up about the stories that you're going to be writing, producing, or, or recording. Rafael is happy and proud that Penn State chose to report on Puerto Rico and that he can help the class tell stories about Puerto Ricans. I don't know if you, if you thought about this before, but whenever you go and, and do a story in a certain place that is not yours, you're helping them. You're helping people in Puerto Rico to communicate. You're helping people to express themselves and you're helping people to have a voice in the United States. Rafael traveled between the mainland and the island several times since Maria. He knows when he returns that certain things won't be there because they were destroyed by the hurricane. 
I asked him what he misses most. The bad thing, for example, some farms had a lot of productions with coffee, for example, and they were in the center of the island, and now everything, everything was destroyed, and they they haven't recovered everything 100%. They are trying, but the production of coffee in Puerto Rico is an important thing, you know? And it's still going on. We still have our coffee shops, and we're still uh, selling our coffee, but I, it worries me, you know, how long is it gonna take to have the farms 100% again, you know? I also asked him if anything has improved. His answer surprised me. Weather, the root cause of Puerto Rico's current problems. And it was kind of impossible to be there. It was bad. It was so hot during the summer, so hot in October, so hot in December, so hot in February. And we said, oh my God, what's going on with this island, you know? And I think something was about to happen. I think those hurricanes and those storms were kind of getting bored or something. I don't know if this is the correct way of saying it. Meteorologists have their own language <laughs> to say it. But I would say whenever this happened, I think it cleaned a lot of things, you know? And I don't know if you have clean in your house. Sometimes you get rid of some old things and you, you, you trash some things that you were kind of holding for so many years. And I think that, that happened in Puerto Rico. You know, the hurricane, it was bad, but it helped Puerto Rico to clean some of the bad things, and now we have a better weather because of that. So I'm kind of happy. The damage that Maria caused in Puerto Rico was devastating. People were crying for help and dying due to a lack of food and resources. But Rafael kept a positive attitude when he went to help. And that really happened to some people, but that was not to all people in Puerto Rico. So when I got to Puerto Rico, everything was bad. We were in a bad position, you know, a lot of trees were down, a lot of, of, of places were down, houses were down, and it was kind of depressing to see your island like that, you know? But that was not my attitude. My attitude was very positive. You know, I came here to help. I came here to, to see the positive side of this. If we are alive, we need to help each other. The impact of Maria has changed Puerto Rico, but Rafael has seen some positives come from the hurricane. So I was kind of calm. I was, okay. I had some people say, this is not normal, but some people were used to it. So, but you know what? As I said before, things happen for a reason. And I think Puerto Ricans are stronger now than before. When you go through a bad uh, moment in your life, you get stronger, you get stronger. You either get into depression or you, you actually learn from it and keep going forward. Rafael is an executive director for the arts, culture, and tourism in one of Puerto Rico's municipalities. Follow my coverage of Puerto Rico on Facebook, on the Penn State International Reporting page, on Twitter, at WillDairy1, and Instagram, at WillDairy1. And follow the hashtag PSU NPR.